action. Hello and welcome to Torn Stubs, the trash movie podcast with me, Robert Gershenson, photographer and creative director of Trash, which can be found at movetotrash.co.uk. And Joshua Winning, I am the greatest film critic you have never heard of. And we're going to the movies. In this episode, we're going to revisit a film that had its cinema release very recently and see if we feel different to how we did when we first saw it. So the first movie we're going to look at is The Witch. Uh, It's a 2015 movie that was released in the UK in 2016 and it's directed by Robert Eggers. You, Josh, you told me about this a long time ago because you saw this at Sundance. Yeah, I saw this at Sundance in 2015, so January 2015. Okay. And it was the the big film that everybody had to go and watch at Sundance. It, It started out where nobody had heard of it, nobody knew who these people were. And, uh, and after the first screening, you couldn't get into the, the screenings because it was just word of, you know, word of mouth went crazy. How many screenings did they have? Oh, I couldn't say. It's it probably about five or six, but they added in screenings. Fuck. And, so, uh, I was going to say five is not a regular festival no. screening, right? Uh, some of them were public screenings. Some of them were journalist screenings. And that was the big, the big, big buzz. Oh, yeah, it was huge. It was the same year as Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. And those were the two big films that year. Okay. Did it sell that? Did it sell at that Sundance or was that after? I think it sold while it was there. Do you know how much for? Yeah. I couldn't, I can't remember. I mean, nothing really goes for the big bucks now. Nothing's like, you know, like Happy Texas going for like 12 million or whatever. Yeah. Well, actually, I think that year was also uh, Birth of a Nation, which did sell for 12 million to Amazon. Fuck. Um, and <laughs> that then, was a waste of money, wasn't well, it? Well, I know, exactly. Have you seen it? Yeah. I have not yet. Maybe we'll do that. On the next one, then sure, that could be the recommendation one that we'll come to at the end. If you can find so, it, is it out? I don't know. Uh, well, if Amazon's paid for it, I'm sure they've put it on Amazon. Mm. Well, they want to get their money back I don't somehow. Know if they yanked it. Um, cool. So the witch. Um, it details a family in Puritan times. That's like oldie American Englishy times. Um, and they've obviously come over from England and they're they're populating the new world, but they are being forced out of their their little village, their little settling place. Because mm-hmm. um, apparently the dad uh, has sinned. He has too much pride. So this family of five or six have been kicked out and they have to make their own little place um, by these fucked up woods. What strikes me most about this film is that although it, it plays and it wears its horror aspects on its sleeve, it's more of a, a kitchen sink family drama. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's all about internal tensions, internal the paranoia that grows... Um, it very cleverly plays around with the idea of witchcraft and, and supernatural beings and stuff that that kind of being the the uh, the big demonic stuff at the time where everyone was paranoid. Everyone was a witch. Mm. Um, so it's set kind of maybe 100 years before the Salem witch trial. So people believed mm. genuinely in, in, in witches and, you know, everyone was yeah. pious. They 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 stuck to the Bible. Yeah, it's set in the it's set in the, 19, the 1630s, sorry. And Robert Eggers, the director, is his first film, and he did a ton of research into that time, um, and kind of that's why the language is is so yeah, well the, done. The, it's amazing. The language is quite unique, and I think when you first see it, um, it's 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 slightly hard to follow in the sense that you don't always know exactly what they're saying. Mm. You kind of have to rely on how they're saying what they're saying and and the kind of emotion that's being mm. put over oh yeah i mean it, it's come it's a bit it's got that kind of shakespearean thing where 
the the meaning is implied more through the actors than the words i guess if there's a little thing at the end of the film that says it, it's based on actual um court testimony of the time it gives it real realism coupled with that it looks as if you're there which obviously is a bullshit thing to say in film but it's shot in a particular way that it kind of looks like it's all been etched sort of mm. into sort of old paper and we've just you know found it in a garage somewhere yeah it's like a wood carving it's like a living wood carving yeah um, and that that goes that's right down to the casting of ralph innocent who just looks like he stepped out of the 1600s like he's just fantastic and he's got that baritone deep voice that's terrifying he's this huge huge guy and you're kind of expecting maybe him to turn out to be you know this the crazy the crazy center of the film but it turns out he's not well kind of in the way he is because in the way i mean spoilers you know <laughs> you should probably watch the films like, yeah. you should probably watch the films before you listen to the podcast um in a way he is the center of the movie everything comes from him mm. they're kicked out because of him it's a man's world mm. everything that transpires in the film happens because of his actions he's decided my family has to be the most pious has to be the most religious um that's why everyone in that family is so paranoid about witches mm. and about going to hell even the little kid yeah that's true the the caleb so the, yeah so caleb yeah he's asking his dad about his younger sibling the baby that disappears at the start of the film is that baby going to hell because it wasn't baptized mm. everything surrounds that guy he kind of fucks it all up for them yeah yeah and like unlike the best villains he has a really horrific demise as well <laughs> yeah it's just really shocking but even the way but, he dies is yeah. he dies surrounded but because throughout the film you constantly see these little excerpts of him chopping and he's topless and he's his masculinity is on show and he's chopping wood in a really aggressive way he's like i am a man or as he would say i am a man, man because he's so, yeah because he's so got such a deep voice man. and he dies Although he's impaled by the goat, mm. Black Philip, he's he's covered in all all the wood that he's chopped. So he's kind of it's it's almost sim symbolic to say he's kind of his own undoing. His own masculinity has killed him. Mm. His he, own belief in the devil, because Black Philip essentially is the devil, right? So yeah, his own belief in the devil has perhaps given rise to the devil, and he's and he's you know fallen at his own hand in some ways. Um, that scene where black philip steps forward oh it's terrifying that shit me up in the oh cinema. god me too when he puts his hand on her shoulder and he says he speaks into her ear it's yeah. utterly terrifying he goes like he goes he says something like that what do you want yeah let me guide your hand oh, it's god. fucking terrifying the, the entire <laughs> the last 10 minutes of that film are just some of the best horror stuff that's been done in the past decade i would say i would say the, the witch is the best horror film of the last 15 or 20 years mm. There's been a big, it's a, let's call it alternative horror, mm -hmm. because you have things like Insidious and The Conjuring and those kind of horror films, but they're all kind of based on a 70s idea of what horror films should be. But in recent years, we've had It Follows and we've had The Babadook and now we've got The Witch. Mm -hmm. They don't really follow what anyone else has really done before. No. Maybe It Follows because it, it's very close to John Carpenter. But even even when you watch it follows, it doesn't really. It uses John Carpenter as a as, a, as an influence and, mm. and goes off from there. But the witch, 
genuinely, genuinely one of the most original pieces of filmmaking and horror filmmaking that I've ever seen in the last 20 years. Yeah, it's bold as fuck. Like, it just goes for it. Like, within within sort of, what is it, 10, 15 minutes, you've seen a baby get sacrificed and, and a naked old woman slather herself in baby blood and... And that's like the tame stuff at the beginning of the film. Like it just <laughs> yeah. spiraled. That's the there. walk in the park bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Literally. And talking about The Witch, this is another mm. one of those films like The Godfather, where the title almost invites you to be misled. It's not about the witch that you think. It's about someone else. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there is there is the witch. Uh, there is a witch that you see, you know, right towards the beginning, um, and she's. Fantastic. She's played by an actress called Batsheba Garnet. Is that her name? Which is just the best name. Batshit Garnet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she actually, she, in the scene where she was, um, where she cackles, that was completely ad-libbed. Really? Like she was, the director wasn't expecting her to do that. And then she did it. And it was the perfect, terrifying, kind of skin, goose pimply, witch's cackle kind of ever committed to film. It's horrific. Yeah. And, but she, uh, doesn't, she doesn't play it for laughs, does she? She's not like no. a Scooby-Doo ghost or there's a no scooby-doo hat. there's no broomstick yeah there's no broomstick there's, there's no clothes there's some broomstick. <laughs> there's broomsticks at the end this that's true there are yeah but kind of it i think maybe it's not a broomstick it's definitely some it's sort flying. of stick yeah yeah but in terms of you know that lady uh the the actual witch the 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 one who steals the baby Bathsheba. she's not i mean she's she's ghoulish she's mm. you know for want of a better word she's an ugly old woman mm. which is what you expect of a witch in a folklore tale yeah but she's not she's not cackling in a in a comical she's not the wicked witch of the west way. yeah she's, it's not a halloween costume no it's taking witches right back to the roots where uh you know women would be ostracized in villages if they were old they had a wart you know uh they were strange they didn't really like to be around people Fuck, that, that's us out I, <laughs> <laughs> we're all witches these days um, yeah, you're she, the biggest witch of them all. <laughs> um, in terms of performances, mm. I don't think there's a bad line uttered in that film. I don't think there's yeah. a bad performance. Anya Taylor Joy, who plays the young, the daughter, uh, she Thomason. plays Thomasin. Yeah, she that was her first acting role. Really? Um, I believe. Yeah, that was her first acting role. Her de- her debut. And um, but she must no, she must have done some stuff before. She. She did a TV thing called Endeavor. She had a small role in a TV in a, the movie Vampire Academy, which was dreadful. Okay. So this is her first film, her first feature film, really, and her first lead role. I think that's The Witch at the Door now. Oh God, don't answer the door. Um, <laughs> and she just was fascinating. And she said, I actually interviewed her uh, a couple of years ago for this film, and um, she talked about how for Vampire or for Witch. I interviewed her for The Witch. For The Witch. Yeah. Um, and she talked about how she was terrified during filming because Robert Eggers, the director, he kept putting the camera right up into her face. Um, and she thought that, she, you know, she, she was going to give the worst performance she ever possibly could. Uh. On top of that, she was having to do this kind of northern accent with the, you know, the impenetrable dialogue at times as well. Is she well. English or is she American? She's transcontinental. She's, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. She's privileged. She, well... She talks, sometimes she talks and she's very, she speaks in a very English accent. Sometimes she speaks in an American accent. Okay. But then she said that when she watched the film, um, she, well, the first time she watched it, she barely looked at it because it was so terrifying seeing her face that big on the screen. Uh, But then she also talked about being relieved that she hadn't given this horrific performance. And actually, um, you know, having the camera that close really added to the mood of the film, which it does because you just, you're sucked into her 
her world. And it's quite a claustrophobic movie in that sense. Yeah. It, it takes place in literally their little hut mm. um, by a stream mm-hmm. and then in the woods. In the woods and in the witch's hut. Yeah. Yeah. Which is in, 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 which is in the woods. Witch, um, witch, witch. The kid that plays Caleb. Mm-hmm. I don't know his name. But that is Harvey Scrimshaw. Harvey Scrimshaw. He must have been, what, 12 when yeah. this movie... That, that performance is... That's the kind of performance that you would expect from someone of Ian McKellen's standard. <laughs> because it's yeah. so... Oh, it's just it, terrific. But the, when he's possessed at the end... When then he sicks up the apple. But yeah. That's a Shakespearean level... Yeah, that that's rather that's yeah you know that that's 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 a performance that someone gives as a swan song in their last yeah. film, and he's projecting stuff that he couldn't possibly have ever experienced. Yeah, exactly, it's yeah, just fa- it's just fantastic. Yeah, I just don't understand how kids I know can understand things like that. It's like imagination, like Henry from um, ET. Yeah, that kind of performance, yeah. or what's the the robot from AI? What was his name? Oh, hey, Joel isn't Osmond. Yeah, I just don't understand how these kids understand. Yeah. They just make believe. They weren't actually, they weren't in the, uh, the scene where the witch appears and she cackles. The kids weren't actually present for that scene because it was too terrifying. But I was, so, well, one kid was. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that kid is no more. Yeah. Uh, but going back to that possession scene, mm. that is probably one of the best possession scenes I've seen since The Exorcist. Mm. Yeah, it's Because it, it didn't go it's for just, any sort of cliche, did it? It goes through so many different emotions and, and it, it's constantly changing. You have no idea what the hell is going on. Um, and, you, and you don't know where it's leading. Is he going to die? Is he going to kill everybody? Like, what's going to happen? And uh, yeah, it's, it's not good. And it kind of all the, all the mini strands of the film kind of all converge there, and that mm. be, that becomes a, a a bit of a jumping off spot mm. for the well, next that's, part that's of the, the point film. of no return. Yeah, yeah. That's when you know something's the family have now know something really dodgy is going on. Yeah, horror films always seem to have twins. Twins are terrifying. Twins are terrifying. What are they? (laughs) (laughs) Natural clones. Yeah. Um, The film brings up ideas of blind faith. Yeah, yeah. That that is the power of the witch, is that you you could read it as literally this is happening to family. They are the victims of a witch. um, And it's all kind of batshit crazy. Or you could read it as religious um, kind of insanity and a family slowly going crazy on their own in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, you know, someone is imagining this. You, you could read it either ways. What I like massively about this film and this sort of film is that we've got a singular vision of a director. This is, mm. this is the kind of filmmaking that I love and also the sort of work that I aspire to in my own, in my own creative endeavours. Um, that film is, is so synonymous now with robert eggers i hope that his yeah. next film which is going to be um a remake of nosferatu mm. follows in this same way you know when you watch yeah. a kubrick film you know it's a kubrick film when you watch a coen brothers films you know it's their films yeah i hope that in 10 years time when we're looking back at robert eggers you know early work we can definitely tell in each of his films it is a robert eggers movie yeah well, this is a this is a like a remarkably um, well created film you know he didn't make it as a, a trashy horror film that would end up in a you know DVD bin somewhere um, he made it as a, a you know a proper film like he, he there's composition he created this world entirely from the ground up they were shooting in the middle of nowhere um, and he and he just had a vision for this film and it is it's amazing 
the soundtrack, the score mm. is is haunting. Oh yeah, wailing. Wailing's always going to get you. <laughs> <laughs> wailing is never not scary. But it's 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 as if the music could have been written at the time the film is set. Mm. We're not talking a you know a Tarantino style where you know suddenly a pop song pops in. Yeah, that, you, you don't get Sia suddenly singing the credits over the singing no, the song over the credits. Yeah, but that music is 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 so uh, ingrained in what is going on. It it only adds the chills and and the goosebumps and the hairs on the back of your neck going up. Yeah, the whole the whole film, everything about the film feels all feels organic. Yeah, it does. It feels lived in, and it, it feels like it's been built layer by layer to create as much terror as possible. Basically, do you feel the same about it now as you did when you first saw it at Sundance? Um, I do. I, I think at Sundance I was glued or glued or pinned to my seat in terror. And there was definitely a real buzz. I was in a cinema with 4,000 other people and everyone was... 4,000? Yeah, everyone that was basically screen. shooting themselves. Yeah, it was at the Eccles Theatre in uh, Park City and it's enormous. I think it's actually a high school theatre. They use it for seminars and stuff like that. But there was 4,000 people all crammed in to this, uh, into this theatre. And yes, yeah, so the first time was Utter Terror, basically. And I saw it again recently on DVD and it hadn't lost any of that. In fact, I'd forgotten how visceral and how upsetting it was. I think I'd blocked out a lot of my memory of that film. Um, and watching it again, it doesn't lose any of its power. Actually, it, it gains more, I think. Really? Even in a, yeah. in a home setting? Well, because you know what's coming. And actually... In a lot of recent horror films, the blockbuster horror films, when you know what's coming, you can get um, impatient and you you want all the you know the, the setup to move quicker so you can get to the good stuff, or it or the big stuff isn't as good as you remember it was. Whereas with this film, the the anticipation, knowing what's going to happen, is is actually worse the second time around because this family, you know what's going to happen to them. So when you say with these these blockbusters, when you say you know what's going to happen, is it because you recognise the way they're moving their cameras. You know that if they're leaving you know, a bit of the, the screen blank, you know a monster's going to appear there. Or if they hover too much on the doll, the doll's going to jump. Or you say, you know it's going to happen because you've seen it before and it's not a, a film that gives over to repeat viewings. Yeah, I think that a lot of modern blockbuster horrors kind of struggle with repeat viewings. Um, I think The Conjuring, when I first saw that, I absolutely loved it and thought it was fantastic. But then I realised that there's only really two or three, you know, particularly memorable scenes in the entire thing. And it doesn't really bear bear a sort of a repeat viewing. I don't know if I've seen it. It's good. It's, I mean, it's a solid three star, big budget, great cast, brilliant scares. Like a Saturday um, night movie. Date yeah, it's movie. a great popcorn Saturday night horror film. Okay. Yeah, and it's pretty, it's, there's some pretty upsetting stuff in it as well. It's, it does go pretty dark. But um, actually, I think it's it doesn't. It's less effective now because we have had The Conjuring 2, we've had two Annabelle films. It's now this this universe and they are getting repetitive. They always oh, have... Oh, are they linked? Conjuring and Annabelle? Oh, yeah. Annabelle's a prequel. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Annabelle and okay. Annabelle Creation are both prequels. Annabelle and? Annabelle Creation, which just came out. Oh, that's just come out. Okay. Yeah. So, so The Witch is a, a definite... You can watch this once a year and be quite happy with it constantly. I'm not sure I'd be happy with it. I think I would rather watch Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion <laughs> before I watch The Witch again. Uh, yeah, maybe two viewings is, is enough for two years and then I'll leave it for a while. 
So that's The Witch, directed by Robert Eggers. We want you to join the conversation. Tweet us your thoughts and your reviews to at TornStubsPod, even if you're listening to this way after we've released this episode. And let's keep the conversation going. Also, share the podcast far and wide and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We love a five-star rating. I do. I bloody love a five-star rating. We're off to smash a baby up. Until next time, I remain Robert Gershenson. Joshua winning. Cut! <laughs>